The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get $100 at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-I-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, January 24th, currently 11.01 on the East Coast, here to break down the seven-game schedule here on Tuesday night in the association. But joining me, helping me to break down the card, you guys know him as the voice of the Tennis Gambling Podcast, the NFL Gambling Podcast, the WNBA Gambling Podcast, and of course here on the NBA Gambling Podcast, it's Scott Studio Reichel. Scott, what's going on, my man? Yeah, nothing much. Mostly been wrapped up in tennis, so nice to go through some basketball. Uh, tennis has been good. Basketball has been okay, but good to be back. Looking forward to breaking down the card. Yes, sir. And also joining us, you guys know him as the newest voice on the NBA Gambling Podcast. And my man's crushing it on the player props. It's Delonte Smith. What's going on, Delonte? How you doing, buddy? What's up, man? Looking forward to uh, breaking down a card, some intriguing matchups. Um, and, uh, yes, yeah, trying to stay hot, trying to give everybody some winners. Yeah, man, uh, it's it's been a pretty good, uh, I think, run for us in the association over the past couple of weeks here. Hopefully we can carry that into um, tonight here. Yep. Now, Terrell and I had a, a, a decent night last night. I know we talked about some player props that we gave out. Uh, hit my lock with the Bulls last night. Uh, we fell short on our dog. We took the Rockets money line in the first half. Uh, that ended up being a push as they were tied 56 to 56 in the first quarter. But the losing streak is officially over for the Houston Rockets as they get the victory against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, some intriguing games last night, or I guess we can say some more blowouts last night as well. Um, Milwaukee, we're getting Giannis and Chris Middleton back, just absolutely blitzed the Pistons in that first quarter. Um, they put up 150 last night against the Pistons to get that victory by 20 points. Uh, Utah took care of business as well against the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, they didn't have LaMelo Ball in that game. I think the biggest surprise was probably Portland actually showing up last night. Um, I know, Scott, you were talking about this game last night, but any other takeaways from last night? Uh, I'm trying to think if there were really anything that jumped off the page. I mean, you mentioned Portland and how they scored 147 points. Uh game was competitive for the first half. Then they outscored them by, I think it was 17 in the third quarter. Uh, I think the main takeaway for me was just Memphis in general. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm not really sure what's going on with half the teams in the NBA because it seems like half of them are good for a little while. Then they're falling off a cliff. Memphis in a bit of a slump here. Uh, they lost by 33. Uh, they also had a social media post of Dylan Brooks dancing pregame <laughs> and then proceeded to uh, give up 47 points in the first quarter. Only scored 10 points in the in the uh, fourth quarter and they lost by 33. Not a great day for the Grizzlies. I feel like the margin was definitely what jumped out to me. I know Sabonis had a double-double. Almost had a Westbrook. He had, t- he had eight turnovers. So he was going for the for the quad. Didn't get there. But he ended up having to settle for the normal triple-double there. And then the other takeaway, which w- wasn't really a huge takeaway, but just a nice storyline. Uh, you had the return of Jonathan Isaac. 
for yeah. Orlando, which was mm-hmm. definitely kind of nice to see him back on a basketball court as Orlando was able to beat up on Boston. Orlando's given Boston some problems. I don't know if it's matchup based or what the story is. It's their second win, I believe, against Boston this season. But it was nice to see Isaac back on the court. It's been basically three years. So nothing really insane to take away. But the Memphis margin of victory was concern or margin margin of defeat was concerning. Mm-hmm. And Isaac being on the court was for me the nice story of the night. Yeah, it's uh something about the Orlando Magic playing against the Boston Celtics this season. Um, I think they that that was their fourth and final matchup, I believe, this season. Um I think they went three and one straight up and four and oh against the spread against Boston this season. So I guess that's the thorn out of the side of the Boston Celtics. I think you're right. I think it's probably more matchup based for the Boston Celtics. I know they were missing Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon last night as well as well as uh, Time Lord uh, for the Boston Celtics. But um, nonetheless, Orlando takes care of business. Great to see Jonathan Isaac back. I mean, he looked uh, really good in his return for the Orlando Magic. Hopefully he's able to stay healthy and uh, contribute for that team because there is definitely a lot of talent on the Orlando Magic. Um yeah, Memphis last night, I don't know if it was a look ahead because they do have the Golden State Warriors on Wednesday. I know, I think before game time, um, or a couple hours before game time, John Moran and Adams showed up as question when they were officially ruled out uh, before the game started. But um, yeah, uh, Grizzlies not looking good right now. Delonte, any takeaways from last night? Uh, no, I think you guys pretty much hit it on, um, on all of it. Uh, like Sacramento... I mean, although it was a shorthanded um, Memphis team, it still came out. I think they, I think Keegan Murray and uh, Harrison Barnes went eight for eight for three in the first quarter, if I'm not mistaken. They were yeah. hitting everything. Trey Lyles was uh, looking like he was back in college. Um, they got an amazing crowd uh, at Sacramento. I haven't seen a crowd in Sacramento like that since the Kings. Uh, I mean, since the uh, the old school Kings with uh, Chris Webber, Pager, um, Bibby. And some yeah. of those guys, they just they got the chance going. Uh, it was fun to it was fun to watch uh, the crowd and see some of those guys uh, get out and, and run. So definitely an exciting team to watch. Um, apparently they were four hundred to one to win. I think oh, was it four hundred to one to win the West? I think or to win the. I division. wouldn't be surprised if they were. I, yeah, it, it's it's something it's something crazy. I seen people talking about it um, yesterday, but uh, yeah, I got them over. So I'm hoping they keep lighting the beam. Yeah, was it was a was there went to thirty three and a half? Uh, I got it, it at thirty six. I got it at thirty four. Okay, yeah. So yeah, right around that, that range. Yeah, I know. Okay. I know. Pre uh, preseason when we did our win total breakdowns, I had the Kings over. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think we were all on that over for the Kings uh, and the Pelicans as well. So, uh, yeah, Kings looking great. They're sitting at number three in the West right now. Two and a half games, sorry, three and a half games behind the Memphis Grizzlies for the two spot. Uh, but yeah, Mike Brown has their guys playing. They're all healthy as well. So, mm-hmm. um, looking good right now for Sacramento. At least about forty six three uh, forty six games through the regular season. Um, guys, this is dive, uh, dive right into the schedule here for tonight. Um, seven games on the schedule. Go through every game as usual. So why don't we just kick it off here with the first game on the board. It's going to be a 7 o'clock Eastern start uh, between the Chicago Bulls and the Indiana Pacers. Uh, looking at the opening lines for this game, the Chicago Bulls open up as a one-point favorite. That number is at minus two currently. Total opened up at 237.5. That number is now at 234. Uh, looking at the injury report, Chicago did play last night, so not yet wasn't submitted. Haven't seen any news about anybody being ruled out in this game for the Chicago Bulls being on a back-to-back. But for the Indiana Pacers, uh, Tyrese Halliburton continues to be out. He's dealing with the left uh, knee and an elbow sprain. Uh, Andrew Nimhard is on the um, 
injury report to the, as of this morning. He's questionable with a non-COVID-related illness, and Daniel Tice continues to be out for the Indiana Pacers. Uh, Delonte, why don't you kick us off here between the Chicago Bulls and the Indiana Pacers here on a back-to-back. Look, the Pacers haven't looked really good without Tyrese Alberto, at least over the last five games. Yeah, they they haven't. Um, that's pretty much the story of of the season. Um, they lost Tyrese Halliburton and they fell from being a, a mediocre team to being like one of the worst teams in, in the NBA, which goes to show how valuable um, he is. Uh, honestly, uh, they returned home from a four game road trip, uh, so maybe they'll play better at home. Um, they're three and seven last ten ATS, but they are fifteen and nine ATS at home. Um, I mean, a lot of those, of, of course, are with Holly Burton, so you can kind of take that with uh, a grain of salt. But um, I, I don't really don't have much for this game, honestly. Uh, I, I don't have a good feel for the Bulls. Like I'm, I'm on them. They lose. I'm against them. They win. So kind of, I kind of just stay away from from the Bulls. But uh, they are like one of the better teams off of a back to back six and two ATS um, in back to back situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been playing better. Uh, seven and three ATS the last ten. Um, they do cover numbers on the road. Thirteen, um, uh, thirteen and ten um, on the road ATS. Uh, they're playing better defense um, from from what I've seen uh, from the team. Uh, they switched up the lineup. They're playing a lot more three guard looks uh, with mm-hmm. Kobe White, um, Io, and letting Zach Levine um, play like some of that small forward role and. Uh, they they look good with that with that lineup. It's just that Vooch is just grabbing every rebound, so they don't yeah. have to worry about anything inside. So mm-hmm. they can just spread the floor and um and, and let Vooch dominate the inside. Um, one thing that is that does stick out to me um in this matchup is Chicago is the best first quarter ATS team uh, in the league. Twenty six eighteen and one ATS uh, in the first quarter, fourteen eight and one on the road, and uh, combating with that is. Indiana being the worst ATS team uh, in the first quarter, 13, 33, and one ATS. And they're getting outscored by 4.25 uh, points uh, in that quarter. So uh, that's an angle that I'll be likely looking at. I didn't filter it down to um, to see what Chicago is on a back-to-back. I'm pretty sure that's um, a lot lower. But uh, I like that angle. Uh, that's pretty much the only thing I like in this game, to be honest with you. Yeah, this is a great uh, point that you brought about the defense for Chicago. Uh, at least over the last five games, they are the number one rated defense tied with uh, OKC Thunder um, as far as defensive rating goes. I think a lot of that has to do with them getting Alex Caruso back as well. I mean, he's mm-hmm. been a menace uh, on the defensive side of the basketball for the Chicago Bulls, usually picking up the best player uh, for the uh, opposing team. Um, and again, like I mentioned, with with Indiana, they've just been struggling without Chivy's Halliburton. They are dead last um, as far as offensive rating over the last five games. Um, they have a net rating of minus 16.3, and their defensive rating is at a, uh, 121.2, which ranks number 26 out of the 30 teams in the association over the last five games here. Um, Scott, what are you thinking about this game, Bulls and the Pacers? Uh, I think I'm going to go with Chicago in this one. Uh, I know that even though it is a back-to-back, Chicago is very solid in back-to-backs, so I'm not exactly concerned by that. It's mostly Indiana's form without Halliburton. I have basically been auto-fading them ever since he got injured, and they have not won a game. So that's definitely a good sign, I guess, if you haven't faded them. They have been competitive a couple of times, but for the most part, not really. Uh, I know that Indiana at home is usually good, However, once again, without Halliburton, they're 0-2 at home. Chicago, I think, is just a bad matchup for Indiana because of the fact that Vucevic can do well on the inside. They still have Levine. They still have DeRozan. 
Shout out to DeRozan for playing in his 1,000th game yesterday. He also played yep. pretty well in that one. But I'm going to go with Chicago. They've been a streaky team all year, but they've won three straight. Now they're taking on a compromised Indiana team. I get why the line is so low, though. It's because of the fact that the Bulls have not been good on the road this season mm-hmm. as they're 9-14. and 14. But they won the first meeting this season by 15 back all the way in October and now Halliburton is still out, and Indiana hasn't won a game without him. So yeah. I'm just going to take the two. I'm going to lay the two of Chicago. Until I see them win a game with Halliburton, I'm not going to expect Indiana to keep this game within two points. I'll go yeah. with Chicago. Yeah, I mean, uh, Chicago has won six of the last seven uh, regular season matchups um, against the Pacers. Um, and you're right. I mean, for me, I seem, the line seems a little fishy, but... Again, like you mentioned, without Halliburton, they just haven't looked very good. Um, so I'm, I'm going to stay with the Bulls. And I think this is a critical period for the Bulls as well, right? Like if they want to figure it out, if they want to blow this thing up or trade pieces, come trade deadline. And, and right now they're sitting at 22 and 24 in the Eastern Conference in that 10th spot. So you know, if they rattle off some wins here, maybe get back into that five, six seed where they're only about three games behind that sixth spot with the Miami Heat. Um it might be a different conversation for the Chicago Bulls, but I think getting Alex Caruso back has been huge, uh, at least on the defensive side, like Delonte mentioned. Um, so I'm going to go with the Bulls here as well, minus the two. Uh, any thoughts on the total here, guys? Currently sitting at 234 here. Delonte, why don't you kick us off on the total? Uh, they both have been playing uh, somewhat to the over. Uh, three of the last five for um, for Chicago has – or for Indiana have went over um, – and also went over for uh, for the the Pacers as well, but I mean we're preaching about the Bulls' defense. Um, mm-hmm. They've held opponents under 110 points in three of the last five games, also. So a lot of the games uh, involving Indiana without Halliburton, the totals have like plummeted because they know that he's responsible for a lot of the offense. So uh, I would lean under. Uh, I wouldn't play it. Just I would just lean to the under and uh, lean to the Bulls side. Yeah, it kind of makes me scratch my head here, at least for the totals go, that Pacers team totals at 116, especially with how good right. Bulls defense has been. They've only scored that, let's see, just once, uh, which was against Milwaukee. I'm pretty sure a lot of those points came in garbage time because Milwaukee did blow them out. Mm-hmm. That was without Giannis and Chris Middleton in that lineup. Um, Scott, thoughts on the total? I'm going to lean under as well. Uh, of course, you have a bit of a concern if Chicago scores 125 which could be possible because Indiana's defense has not been great lately. But Chicago's defense has, and you're looking at Chicago's home road splits. I mentioned that Chicago struggled on the road this season, comparatively speaking. But offensively, they have not been that good on the road uh, for the last couple of games. Scored a 97 against the Wizards and scored 99 against Boston. I'm not saying Indiana's going to hold this team to less than you know 100 points, but if Chicago scores 110-115, I don't think Indiana is going to score 120, so I'm on the yeah. under. Yeah, I like it. Uh, player props in this game, if anything you like here, Scott, why don't you kick us off? Uh, I mean, you kind of got to go back to DeRozan, don't you? I mean, DeRozan's yeah. been the main guy for this team. Levine had that great stretch for a couple of weeks there. He's kind of cooled off a little bit, but we know that, historically speaking, DeMar has owned Indiana in years mm-hmm. past. I'm expecting a pretty good game from him. I know he had 26 points and nine rebounds last night. I'm not sure he's going to get a double-double in this game. Or that was two games ago, sorry. He had 26 points again uh, yesterday against Atlanta. Uh, trying to see what his point total is for DeRozan. It's probably going to be close. I'm assuming it's around 25 and a half. Uh, 26 and a half is what I see. 
Yeah, that's unfortunate because he had 26 in each of the last two games. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think if I was going for any props, I'd probably look towards. Um, well, I like Vucevic assists if you want to go for a sneaky prop because he's actually been quite good lately mm-hmm. at facilitating. Yeah. I had the over three and emphasis last night at plus 110, and he flew over. He had seven. But Vucevic's number is a three and a half. And if you look at the last couple of games for Vucevic on the assist category, uh, seven, six, four, four, five. So he's yeah. had at least four and five straight games. His number's three and a half at minus 120. We think Chicago could potentially score 120 against Indiana defense. I'll take the over on Vucevic assist. Yeah, a lot of guys in the chat uh, pointing out uh, Vucevic uh, props here. Um, I know. Going back to Demar, uh, Terrell mentioned his assist prop yesterday. I know. Uh, uh, shout out to my guy Wham. Um, he was on that yesterday as well. That one came in fairly easily. David from Toronto, also pointing out Vooch over twelve and a half rebounds at plus one hundred five. Um, Vooch is averaging thirteen rebounds versus Miles Turner uh, in his that's career. Yeah, I mean, just, yeah, you you really just look at what uh, Vooch has done um, <clears throat> since twenty twenty three, uh, since we. You know, flip the calendar year. He's averaging close to 14, right around 14 rebounds per game um, in the stretch of games here. 17 last night against the Hawks. He had 15 against the Pistons, 13 against the Warriors. So I think, yeah, the, either if you want to go rebounds and assists for Vucevic or if you just want to play assists, like uh, Scott just pointed out, or his rebounds as well. He's been tearing it up. Um, Dante, player props in this game, if you have anything? Yeah, I'm just going to add on to what Scott was saying. Uh, I think that. Being that some people think that or oddsmakers think that um, that Vucevic is is not a passer or, you know, not being able to facilitate at that free throw line extended um, that they've been, you know, under basically undervaluing his points, rebounds and assists. So I've been on that a few times mm-hmm. um, and I'll go back to the well with that points, rebounds and assists for Vucevic. Um, like uh, David pointed out, uh I didn't know that he had averaged 13 rebounds against uh, Turner, but that's a that's a good nugget. Well, Turner doesn't like the rebounds, so I'm not exactly surprised. Yeah, you know? that that too. And then um, whenever they go small um, with Vucevic just playing the inside, like he's the only person that gets rebounds. He, yeah. So like it's it's kind of like he hey he has to, and yeah. uh, and defenses have to adjust. They have to adjust to that. So when they go smaller, it just leads to to more rebounds for him. So yeah, I like Vucevic in like every which way, like. Points, rebounds. Uh, I like the assist that the assist prop that Scott gave. Um, I'll be on his points, rebounds, and assists for sure. All right, let's get over to the next game of the night, gentlemen. It's going to be the Boston Celtics in South Beach to take on the Miami Heat. Uh, this line opened up in favor of the Miami Heat at minus one, minus one and a half is what I'm seeing. That number's now all the way up to minus three. For the Miami Heat, total open up at 219 and a half. That number is now around 217 and a half, 218. Uh, looking at the injury report for both of these teams, Boston did play last night. Um, so no injury, uh, no injury report, I'm sorry, submitted yet for them. Miami Heat are going to be without Duncan Robinson or Mayurtsevin continues to be out. And also Nikola Jovic is also out for the Miami Heat, but relatively they are pretty healthy now. You know, it was an adventure always going through their injury report, but um, everybody is a go in this game. Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Tower Hero, uh, Bam Adebayo, everybody is a go. Boston, seems like on this line that somebody may be sending out for this game or they may not have Marcus Smart and or uh, Malcolm Brogdon or even maybe Time Lord or maybe even Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum sits in this game, but Scott, why don't you kick us off with this game, minus three in favor of the Miami Heat hosting the Boston Celtics. 
I think I'm going to lean to Miami here. Uh, I just feel like it's a pretty good spot for the Heat. We talked about how Boston played yesterday, lost to Orlando. They're still a bit shorthanded with Brogdon not playing yesterday. Smart's out for uh, you know probably a couple games, and Time Lord is also banged up like he is most of the time. But Miami and Boston have always had their fair share of wars when they're at full strength. Now Boston's not at full strength, and Miami actually is. And I'm looking through the recent home games for Miami, and they've won four straight at home. Now, some of those games were competitive. They were a bit fortunate for a couple of them, like that Thunder game where they attempted about 90 free throws, Mm -hmm. and they made them all. But I'm going to go with Miami here. Uh, They've been good at home lately. Boston, I know you could argue, should be motivated to get back on track after losing to Orlando. But when you're missing that many guys or potentially missing that many guys, and Miami's been especially solid at home lately, I think I'm going to go with Miami. I think it'll be close, but I think eventually Miami kind of breaks through and wins by at least five or so. So I'll go with the Heat. I'll lean to them there. It's mostly just fading a shorthand team on a back-to-back. Yeah, uh, this is the fourth and final matchup already this season uh, between uh, the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. Uh, Celtics have won two out of three so far. Um, so, uh, looks like, uh, Miami's going to try to at least even the season series here, uh, for this regular season, but they've been kind of high scoring games here. Um, the first game all the way back in October, 111, 104, uh, that ended by 215, but the last two games, 134, 121, uh, victory for the, uh, Boston Celtics. And then Miami went into Boston, got the victory there, 121, 16 as well. So, uh, something definitely to keep in mind here. Uh, Dante, what do you think about this game? Minus three in favor of the Miami Heat. Yeah, I'm with my I'm with Scott. Um, I'm I'm on Miami. Uh, I think Miami has been trending up uh, since those guys have been healthy. Uh, obviously, some of their metrics are skewed because they got certain guys in and out of the lineup. Um, we we all know that they have a, a laundry list of um, injuries, but that's that's starting to get that's starting to get you know slowly back into um, playing together and. Uh, the last time they played together, um, they played against Boston uh, in that game that you were talking about. All mm-hmm. four of the, I guess, the big four, you can say the quote, big four, uh, sure. they all scored 20-plus each um, in yeah. that game. And yeah. one thing that the Heat always does, no matter who's in the lineup, is they play defense. They held mm-hmm. Jason Tatum to um, – he was uh, 18 points, if I'm not mistaken. I thought I wrote it down. I think it was 14 points. Yeah, he had 14. It was 5 okay, and 18 on the floor. Yeah, that's what that's, – that's yeah, so they, they play him well. Uh, they didn't play Jalen Brown well. He had 37, uh, 14, and 5. Um, that It was a competitive game throughout. Um, but I think that I, I wanted I actually wanted the Celtics to be at full strength so I can get Miami as a dog. Um, but I guess that won't happen. So I'll lay the short number. Uh, I know how how good Boston is. I see T-Rock had brought it up in the chat about um, Boston being good. 5-1-1 one, one, um, ATS on back-to-back. Um, they're – like scoring margin on the road is is number one in the NBA. They're plus three point one uh, in scoring margin uh, on the road. Uh, they have pretty much dipped offensively, and some of that could be because you know they didn't have Jalen Brown a lot more was put on Tatum, and yep. some of those guys being out of the lineup, they fail a little bit um, from an offensive standpoint. But I think it's a great spot for Miami. Um, they're gonna they're gonna be uh, playing a lot of good defense. Um, so I'll lean to Miami and thinking they'll slow the game down um, and it'll be a, a half court game. And I think Miami's really, really effective in the half court. Yeah, this has public dog written all over it for me for the Boston Celtics here tonight. I mean, look, the, look, the stats and trends are backing up like T-Rock mentioned in the chat um, where they are, what, 6-1 and one on back-to-back situations, 7-0 straight up. 
Um, but again, if they are going to be without guys like Marcus Smart, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, I mean, those are two of your key players, especially in your rotation. And, you know, Delonte, like you mentioned, that they did have some success against Jason Tatum uh, in their last game where they were able to slow him down a little bit. Um, you know, one of the two guys of Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum are going to get there is just about which one is going to show up on on a given night against Miami. Last game, like you mentioned, it was Jalen Brown, and they were able to limit uh, Jason Tatum and get the victory there. But also, Al Horford uh, uh, may not play in this game. We don't know about time, Lord. He's still on a minute restriction as well. So I'm going to leave with you guys on Miami here as well. Going to wait for some more injury news, see what happens. But it feels like somebody knows something as this line has moved. The opening number from minus one, minus one and a half to all the way up to minus three now for the Miami Heat. Uh, thoughts on the total here, Scott? Uh, currently sitting at to I'm a, I'm pretty torn on this total because naturally it automatically assume the under Boston's on a back to back these teams play physical defense they're going to kill each other but then you look at the actual games of the season and you said before the last two games were pretty high scoring mm-hmm. uh, the last one did go to overtime but it landed 220 in regulation anyway uh Horford might not play now or he might be out now according to Wham yeah uh, I truth is I'm not a fan of Horford this season. I know defensively he's been good, or at least I hope so, because offensively he's been terrible. Uh, but uh, I think Horford being out actually does kind of make me like the over a bit more because Horford has really been, I don't say virtually a zero, but he's been maybe a two on offense. Like he's really not been good on offense the entire season. It is rough. His point totals like every game, basically eight and a half, and he never goes over. That kind of just sums it up. But I think I'll lean over here. I just think with Boston potentially missing Robert Williams and Smart and now Horford, are those three guys their best three defensive players? Because it kind of feels that way. I think I'm going to go with the over and just expect to see a bit more uh, pace than people expect, a bit better shooting. And just looking at the fact that it's a national TV game, I don't have the trends in front of me, but I've noticed a lot of free throws in some of these nationally televised games. You know, the referees got families, too. They want to make sure that they're seen on TV. Make a lot of calls there. Uh, Maybe Butler goes to the line 15 times. But we'll see if Horford plays. If Horford's out, I'll take the over. If if he is playing, I'm probably just going to have no action. But I do think Horford being out would make me lean more towards an over because offensively, he really doesn't do much besides what, be a P.J. Tucker standing in the corner the entire time? Yeah. And defensively, he's pretty good at switching, especially mm-hmm. if Robert Williams is out. Yep. So I'm actually going to wait to see if Horford's playing or not. But as of right now, assuming that he is going to miss, I will probably lean to the over. Yeah, we definitely have to wait for this injury report for the uh, Boston Celtics. Um, again, like you mentioned, a lot of guys were out yesterday, um, maybe because it was back-to-back. Or I know I think Brogdon was out for personal reasons, but again, uh, definitely wait for the injury report to come out for the Boston Celtics. Am, uh, I, am I wrong for putting this much importance on Horford? Because I just can't <laughs> help but point out how good he's been defensively compared to how awful he's been offensively. Also yeah, more. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think – that you really don't need Al Horford offensively. I mean, when you have Brogdon, obviously Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown, um, and he's more of an offensive guy. So for what they're paying him, they need oh, sorry, defensive. That's, all I'm, that's yeah. all I'm saying. Sure. Um, Delonte, thoughts on the total? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm kind of torn uh, as Scott is. Uh, I would rather play the first quarter, first half under rather than full game, simply because of the free throw fists 
that uh, that goes on in a lot of Miami Heat games. Can I, mean, I get Jimmy the Butler but- over in free yeah. throws? Is yeah, there a prop I can get on that one? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Jimmy Butler might shoot 30 yeah. by himself. Um, and with the Celtics' lack of depth uh, with some of those, if those guys are, you know, ruled out, it could lead to, you know, some offensive success for Miami. Um, yeah. Brog- I, we all can agree Brogdon and Smart are pretty much the, the better wing defenders um, on the team. Uh, and without those guys, I think Hero's in for a, a big night. Um, I, I just, I'm just not sure if Boston can be able to withstand some of the stuff that Miami does in the half court. So, uh, without those guys, of course, fully healthy is a different story. But without those guys, I'm not sure if they'll be able to handle what Miami does uh, in the half court. So I'll lean um, under full game, but I'll be on the uh, first half. I think it's under one, twelve and a half. And under fifty six uh, in the first quarter. All right. I have no ac- I have no action on the total. I'm just going to wait it out for the injury report. Yeah. Um. Not much player props are out, obviously, for the Boston Celtics. But anything that you guys like for the Miami side? Dante, I'll start with you. Yeah, I like Hero. Um. He has. Uh, str- he was struggling. Um. From three, one of seventeen from three in the previous uh, three games or three of the last four games, he was getting back on track. He made four of ten from three uh, last game. He had twenty six points. Uh, with the absence of those guards, I think that he's able. Him and Bam are able to run off some of those screens, mm-hmm. um, in the screen and roll, and they're able to uh to hit a few threes. So I will look at Tyler Hero over nineteen and a half points and over two and a half uh, made threes. Um, Scott, player props for Miami side at least. Uh, for Miami side, uh, I'm trying to think of what I actually want to do here. Bowler over for points is definitely always worth considering because against Boston, especially, you know, Butler uh, is still probably thinking about that playoff elimination, so he might go for a big game because he seems to always have an extra chip on his shoulder there against the Celtics. I'm trying to think if there's any other props that I do like on Miami side. Uh, let me just see if I could find anything that I'm kind of tempted while, by. While you're looking, uh, let me add uh, Bam points, rebounds, and assists. I was just thinking that yeah. without those uh, guys, without Al Horford, Tom Lord, um, some of those bigs, that means Blake Griffin, Luke Cornett um, are going to be on the floor more. They definitely don't stand a chance uh, with Bam. I can't believe Griffin's in the league. Uh, I mean, I, I can't believe he's still on a Blue roster. Guy, Cor- he's a Cornette's guy. funny. I mean, Cornette's going to yeah. jump in front of the rim to stop three-pointers. So at least he's got a funny, like, role or something. But Blake Griffin at this point, I mean, you should probably just retire. Uh, but, to, but yeah, Adebayo should have a big game here. I know in the playoffs he was especially horrible in that series. So with uh, shorthanded front court for Boston, he should play well. Uh, I think if I was going to probably pivot to anybody, I'd probably lean to the under 10.5 points on Kyle Lowry. Okay. Lowry's been awful for most of the year. He had 17 points last game against New Orleans, only attempted nine shots. He went mm-hmm. six for nine. Games before that, though, five, seven, four. He had 10 and 11, but then he had six, five, and three. Offensively, he really just has not been good, and Miami yeah. has kind of pivoted off of him a little bit more. Because mm-hmm. they know that he just doesn't, he's not the player he used to be, let's put it that way. Yeah. But I think for his number, I know he's gone over in the last two games against Boston, but he also played 39 minutes and 38 minutes. I'm not expecting that much of a workload for him. It's going to be potentially a small play there, but Lowry under 10 and a half points. I just think that if Miami's going to do a lot of damage, he's going to be in the paint. And Lowry is not going to be a guy in the paint that much. So yeah. I'll go with the under on Lowry. Yeah, it makes sense to me there. Uh, Cam pointing out, uh, looks like the public is on 
the Boston Celtics, even with the uncertainty. Yeah, I think that's what thing that's kind of holding me off of uh, or making me like actually the Miami side here. I feel like this is going to be the public dog of the day, seeing uh, the one of the best teams in the East as a dog here in Miami. So, uh, yeah, do like uh, I think all of us like Miami here tonight against the Boston Celtics. Um, all right, guys, let's keep it rolling here. Next game on the schedule is going to be the Cleveland Cavaliers headed to the Big Apple to take on the New York Knicks in Madison Square Garden. Uh, looking at the opening lines for this game, the Cleveland Cavaliers opened up as a, as a, sorry, a three-point favorite. That number has now been bet up to minus three and a half. Total opened up at 219. That number is now up to 221 at most books. Uh, looking at the injury report for both of these teams for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Donovan Mitchell is probable here tonight. Um, and that is pretty much the only significant injury for the Cleveland Cavaliers for the New York Knicks. Emmanuel quickly is dealing with a knee issue. He is officially questionable here tonight. And we know Mitchell Robinson is going to miss a few weeks here with a right thumb injury. Jelante, uh, why don't you lead us off with this game? Cleveland Cavaliers visiting the New York Knicks in Madison Square Garden as a three and a half point road favorite. Yeah, I like Cleveland here. Um, I I like the trajectory of of where they're going, um, especially with Mitchell being back. It was reported uh, yesterday. Um, I think it's Dan- Daniel Cunningham for uh, ESPN Cleveland um, that Mitchell had practiced, and uh, I think this line originally like soft open, maybe like one and a half, two, and then I think people got whiff of that news and, and bet it up a, a little bit more, and it reopened um, at, at three. Uh, I think that the Knicks without it goes um like without showing that how valuable Mitchell Robinson is on the defensive side of the ball. Um they are twelfth in defensive efficiency um when he's on the floor. Uh the last three games that they haven't played well that they have played without him, they're dead last in defensive efficiency. So that just goes to show how valuable he is um in the paint. And I think with Mitchell being back, uh he had a bad night in the garden. Um, the last matchup, he was eight for twenty-two. As did uh, the Cavs. They, the both teams actually shot um, under twenty-five percent from three. The Cavs shot thirty-five percent from the field. Um, the, uh, Mitchell and Garland struggled mightily. Uh, Jared Allen didn't play, so I think they have a bit of a uh, shot in the arm with Mitchell being back. Uh, I think he's he's he going to be at least. 75, 80%, and 75%, 80% is pretty much better than anything Karis LeVert uh, has to offer. Uh, mm-hmm. No shade to him, but he's just, you know, he's just not uh, what he used to be um, back in Brooklyn. But, um, yeah, I, I like uh, Cleveland here. Um, they do struggle on the road, 9-14-1 ATS um, on the road. But, however, they are, you know, top five in road scoring margin. So they do bring it on the road, and mostly that has to do with their defense. They're first in scoring defense, second in defense efficiency, um, and with their offense being with um, Mitchell being back in the fold, uh, they go back to to their regular roles. So Darius Garland can be more of a facilitator, playing off ball uh, rather than trying to score 25, 30 points tonight. And um, what's my man Evan Mobley? He's definitely not going to score thirty eight uh, uh, tonight. But uh, it was good to see him, you know, get more flow in the offense. So I think with with Donovan Mitchell back, that it's a good spot for. Um, the Cavs to come out and get a win. Um, their offensive efficiency does, you know, take a hit without Donovan Mitchell on the floor. They're 14th without him, ninth with him. So I think all signs point to uh, Cleveland coming in, having a good night. And uh, I would also um, look for, look at the under also. I know we're going to hit on that later. But I think that if you like Cleveland, you have to like the under. And if you if you like New York, you have to like the over. 
Scott, what do you got for this game? I'm going to go with Cleveland in this one. Uh, I've been blindly fading the Knicks for the past week, uh, and it's worked out. This is who the Knicks are. They're just a streaky team. They're going to win five in a row, win seven of nine, then they'll lose five in a row, and they're just going back and forth until they finish the year 500. It's kind of just how it's going. Uh, you mentioned the Mitchell Robinson disparities on and off the floor defensively, and now you're facing off against uh, one of the better front courts in the entire league. It's not exactly a good combo there for the Knicks. Uh, since, of course, Jared Allen and Mobley are ready to take advantage of whoever the Knicks use at center, either Sims or whether it's going to be uh, Hartenstein. Uh, you have a couple options, but the point is uh, the Knicks front court without Mitchell Robinson is not very good, especially defensively. And offensively, with Mitchell being back, with Garland being really good the last couple of games, I just think Cleveland has enough firepower to take advantage of this weak Knicks defense. Give me the Cavs. I think that you might see Mitchell have a big game, maybe Garland as well. But it's the front court disparity for me where Cleveland can really protect the rim and New York can't at the moment because Mitchell mm -hmm. Robinson is out. So I do think Mitchell Robinson, good point by uh, Lante there, is that you're just looking at how much worse this defense is when he's off the floor. And if you want to make an argument that, you know, the Knicks shouldn't trust Mitchell Robinson because he's hurt all the time, now you know why they keep him. It's because he's so good defensively. Yeah. I'm on Cleveland. I, I just can't look past that front court difference, and I think that's going to be the story of the game. So give me Cleveland. It might be close to the spread, but the Knicks have been a streaky team all year long. They're streaky again. Uh, they lost quickly, who's one of their better bench scorers and just most explosive guards. They got Obi Toppin back a couple games ago, which hasn't meant anything because I don't know what his spot is in the rotation. They're trying to send him to Indiana. That's what I'm saying. It's fine. The rotation is getting shipped off for a potential player, but I, at the end of the day, I have to go with Cleveland. I just think that Robinson injury is so huge. Yeah, I'm trying to see what the Knicks have given up without Mitch, or yeah, without Mitchell Robinson over the past couple games. So his last game was on the 18th. I mean, they gave up 139 to Atlanta, and yeah, 125 and to, Toronto. to Toronto. Like that's that's awful. Then they yeah. give up like 125 to Miami as well. If I'm not mistaken, or like high one twenties. You mean earlier this season? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think it was. I thought it was maybe like a, a few weeks back, but I could be mistaken. Uh, no, it's been a while since they okay, played okay, Miami. Cool. Maybe I'm thinking about somebody else. I think that yeah, they gave 123 to Toronto. If you're thinking about go. that, there we go. Well, that, there, one, that one they, went to they, overtime. Though, yeah, so. they yeah. played. They played Toronto uh, twice in like six or seven days or something like that. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Toronto yeah, okay, also that's, just that's owns them. Toronto's won yeah, they like, the last three games, but yeah, they do. 125 plus and two straight, 139 to Atlanta. Like that, that I just can't get over. I know Capella started that game. He played well. 139. Like this, this defense was so was really kind of clicking there, and then he got hurt. Cleveland, I just think it's the better team. So, yeah, I feel like my favorite play in this game is probably the team total over for the Cleveland Cavaliers here tonight. Um, it's at 112 and a half currently over on win bet. I do lean with the Cleveland side here as well. Um, I mean, we you guys pointed out. I'm not going to re, you know repeat everything. It's just defensively without Mitchell Robinson. I think that's what the whole key is, and you should should see you know Jared Allen and Allen, uh, sorry Evan Mobley, uh, dominate the uh, interior and the glass here tonight for the Cleveland Cavaliers, especially without like we said Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle's also struggled against mm -hmm. um, the Cleveland Cavaliers. You kind of take a look at his numbers against the Cavs over the past couple of games. He hasn't been in double digit rebounds against this Cavs team. 
I think it was like eight straight or one, two, three, four, five, six uh, straight games. And he hasn't had more than 20 points in any of those games either. So, you know, I think they're doing a great job uh, trying to contain uh, Julius Randle against the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, you know, potentially this might be some um, value on his unders here tonight. I know he's been tearing it up, rebounding the basketball. I've been Mm -hmm. on him for the past several games. Um, So there might be an opportunity to fade him here tonight. Definitely keep that in mind here for uh, Julius Randle. Thoughts on the total here? I know, Delonte, you said you like the under in this game. Yeah, um, I do. Uh, And another thing to another angle you can attack this. uh, I I forgot to bring this up um, when handicapping aside is that, of course, the Knicks are a first half team. They're top five in uh, scoring margin uh, in the first half, which is um, 3.4 points plus 3.4 points. They are 26th in second half. So if you're looking to play the Knicks, if you think the Knicks are going to come out and play well, obviously play them in the first half and just play uh, Cleveland in the second half. Cleveland also in the second half of um, of games is uh, top five in a scoring margin, plus 2.5 uh, in that. But as far as the total, I think Cleveland is going to slow the game down. Um, they're going to be efficient in the half court. The only thing that worries me is being that there's no Mitchell Robinson in the paint, maybe like Garland and Mitchell just get to the line, maybe like 15, 16 times each and, they're going to make their free throws. They're really good, um, high percentage free throw shooters. And that does uh, scare me a little, but I don't think the Knicks will have enough offense to be able to score on those Twin Towers inside um, with Jared Allen and Mobley. So, yeah, give me the under uh, in this game. Yeah, I mean, I get it here. Uh, again, I, I think that the Knicks may have a hard time scoring the basketball here tonight. I mean, the last game was really ugly. It was like a 1990s final score. I think it was like, yep. what, 91-82. No, nobody got to 100. Yeah. And they, was, they both like, played the bottom three in pace. So, I mean, you know, it's not, it's not going to be a it's not gonna be a, a delight to the eyes if you like offense. Yeah. Um, Scott, thoughts on the total? I think I'm leaning to the over, actually, but I feel better about the Cleveland team total over. Initially going into this game, I just blindly thought, all right, Cavs, Knicks, take the under. But these defensive numbers without Mitchell Robinson are really, really jarring. And just to mention the numbers again, 125 to Toronto, 139 to Atlanta. This team even gave up 116 to uh, Porzingis and Beal with Washington there at home. I think defensively the Knicks are in shambles right now. So... That's really my main concern. Uh, That's why I think Cleveland team total over makes sense. If you think that the Knicks are going to keep struggling defensively, I'll lean over. I feel better about Cleveland contributing more to that, but I can't get past the last couple games that the Knicks have had without Mitchell Robinson defensively. I think that this line you might automatically lean under because of just the reputation of both teams being good defensively and playing slow pace. But with with Robinson out, this defense has been basically non-existent. So I think I'm going to lean to the over. But I feel better about Cleveland team total over. I don't see what their um, defensive rating is with without uh, Mitchell Robinson this season. Stamuse does a great job of this. Give me one second. Yeah, uh, I, only, I only had it with the, uh, just the last three games, what they were last. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, with him, they have a defensive rating of 113.2. Without him this season, 121.2. So it's about eight points worse uh, uh, without him on the floor. So um, 
I'll see if I can pull like points in the paint and stuff like that. But I mean, overall, I think, yeah, I mean, Delonte already said it, that this defense is so terrible without Mitchell Robinson anchoring that rim. So probably see Delon- oh, sorry, Delonte, Devonte, uh, Donovan Mitchell here tonight, uh, getting to the rim at a will, um, for, uh, for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, any player props in this game here, Delonte, you like, yeah, we, we spoke on it. Um, I, I like Mitchell over 25 and a half. Actually, I think it's, it's 26 now, 26 and a half. I think it, it's, it got better. It was 25 and a half, um, earlier. Uh, let me see. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I see at 26 and a half. Yes, yeah, so I, I still go over that. Um, he was eight for 22 in the last matchup. So I think that he comes out, um, with a purpose. Uh, he's going to be able to, to get to the rim with ease, uh, as we all discussed. I also like Darius Garland over seven and a half assists. That's plus money. Um, uh, I think you can find like around 105, 106. Uh, he's averaging 9.6 assists in the last eight. He's had double digits in half of those. Mm-hmm. And he also uh, has went over that number in uh, seven of the last eight. And he was being, he could be more in a facilitator role being that Mitchell is back. And if we think that if, I mean, I'm pretty sure we all think that Mitchell's going to have a good night. Then a lot of those assists are going to come from Darius Garland. So uh, I like Darius Garland over assists, seven and a half and uh, Donovan Mitchell over 26 and a half points. All right. Uh, Scott, any player props in this game? Well, I mean, you kind of mentioned one. Um, it's a bit of a risky one because uh, Randall has been very good at rebounding so far this season. But based on the recent games, aren't you kind of just expecting Randall to struggle because he's historically been awful against Cleveland? Yeah. So I think you can go for an under there potentially. I know the double-double on Garland was pretty tempting. At I think it was around plus 310, I think, was the price. Which is, I'll be on that. If it's three, 310, I'll be on that. Pretty sure it was 310. but. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else I would like. Uh, if I'm pivoting off of Randall, does that mean I'm kind of automatically leaning either to Brunson or to Barrett because they're both going to take a bunch of shots? Yeah. So uh, Garland is at plus three fifty for a double double here tonight. Three fifty. Yeah, I'll be I'll be on that. That's, I'm gonna add that to my card as well. Yeah, you know, R.J. Barrett has done against the Cavs. I think that uh, was R.J. Barrett, Barrett points, rebounds, and assists um, since he's been back has been is. He's either went over or gotten real, real close. Um, so that's something, that's something that I looked at. I just couldn't pull the trigger. The Cavaliers don't have a lot of wing. That, that's the one thing I think they're missing is, is wings. Um, they just don't have uh, any wings that are capable of doing anything defensively and offensively. So uh, RJ could have a, a decent night. I'm still not a fan of Baird in general, but I think that he's yeah. good enough to have a he's, – he's still a pretty good offensive player. I just don't think he's – a winning basketball player in general, but I think he's fine. And with Randall potentially struggling in this matchup, I think they're going to pivot off of him and Barrett might have some opportunities yeah. because I don't like Harris Levert either. So it kind of cancels each other out there. So Barrett might be able to do something tonight. Yeah. Cam was pointing out uh, Knicks are, are allowing 14.4 uh, more points over the last three games uh, without um Mitchell Robinson in the lineup. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that my favorite player for sure so far tonight is that Cavs team total over. All right, before we continue the conversation here, guys, let me tell you guys about a presenting sponsor. That is going to be WinBet. And if you're ready to uh, play, you need to get over to WinBet because WinBet is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are a ton of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now over at WinBet. And if you're ready to play, sign up today to receive a special offer. 
bet 100 get 100 limited state availability and of course if you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week you get a thousand dollar free credit there's so much to choose from all you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash win bet so they know that we sent you that's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash w-y-n-n-b-e-t offers up to change terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 20 years or older and present in the state where play through win bet is available if you're someone you know has a gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 all right guys let's get over to the next matchup of the night that's going to be the denver nuggets in new orleans here tonight to take on the pelicans uh this line opened up in favor of the denver nuggets at sorry opened up in favor of the pelicans at minus one that line now has flipped to minus one in favor of the denver nuggets uh looking at the injury report for both of these teams for the Denver Nuggets, uh, Bones Highland, Nicole Jokic, Michael Porter Jr. are all questionable here tonight. Uh, for the Pelicans, uh, Brandon Ingram is doubtful here tonight. He's still dealing with the left toe injury. Zion continues to be out as well. And Najee Marshall is also questionable here tonight for the New Orleans Pelicans. A lot of question marks here for the Denver Nuggets. I know the Joker missed the last game. Uh, I believe that was against OKC Thunder and also Bones Highland questionable here tonight as well as Michael Porter Jr. But Scott, why don't you lead us off for this game? Minus one right now in favor of the Denver Nuggets. Um, what are you thinking about this game? I still can't get over the fact that uh, Brandon Ingram's missed two months with a bruised big toe. Yeah, I, I still can't get over that. It's been two months. Like, yeah. I, I still don't really understand what that's all about, but I'm on Denver in this game. New Orleans is a team that I obviously like, but of course the main caveat is when healthy. Without Ingram and Zion, this team sucks. Uh, mm-hmm. They can't score to save their lives. I mean, they're getting killed if you look at the last couple of games. And they're very good at the Smoothie King Center. Uh, but in general, with their main scores being out, the fact the line is moved does suggest that Jokic has a shot to play tonight because you have had a favorite switch as well. But Truth is, even if Jokic wasn't playing, why would I take New Orleans? This team has been horrible the last couple of weeks. And the main reason is they can't score. And I just think that we've seen Denver, even without Jokic, lately play decently. Jamal Murray had his first career triple-double a couple games ago. But New Orleans has lost four straight. Uh, They've lost three of those four by double digits. Uh, Denver lost their last game to Oklahoma City. Uh, we love the Oklahoma City team on this channel, uh, so you know yeah. how much what we think about them. But before that, they were surging, and I just think that Denver's a much better team. I think Jokic has a shot to play, and Marshall's been pretty good for this team with the absences for Ingram and Zion. I'm going to go with Denver because I don't think New Orleans can score, and I think that if Jokic plays, of course I love Denver. If not, I like how this team's played lately anyway. Give me Denver in the under. I can't take an over when New Orleans can't score. I, I just can't do it. So give me Denver winning an ugly game, but I think they'll win it relatively comfortably. New Orleans, I just feel like their entire point spread here is based on reputation at home, but they can't score. Like, I have to yeah. at least acknowledge when they're missing so many guys and Marshall might not play, they have no offensive threats whatsoever on the court uh, besides maybe a little bit of Valanciunas. So I'll go with Denver. I just think they're the better team. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, sorry, New Orleans has only beat three teams in the span without Zion and uh, Brandon Ingram. They were probably the three worst, at least two of the three worst teams in the league. That was Houston that they beat by 11. They beat Washington by 20. And then Detroit, they beat by six. Other than that, against competitive teams, like you mentioned there, Scott, they've been getting blown out by at least double digits. I think even with or without Joker here tonight, I, I still think that, you know, 
Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray, uh, those guys just come out to take care of business. I think the depth right now is a lot better for this Denver Nuggets team than it is for the uh, New Orleans uh, Pelicans right now. And again, like you mentioned, where you love this Pelicans team, but they get they're completely different. They can't score the basketball without Bi and Zion in the lineup. So I'll keep it short and simple. Nuggets in the under for me as well. Delonte, what about this game? Yeah, I think you guys pretty much uh, hit on everything uh, with or without. Um, Joker, I think the Nuggets are are a good play. I, I won't be on them. I'm just I, I'm just worried about like if um, if Joker doesn't play and if uh, MPJ doesn't play. Uh, but I would lean to that side, and I would also I would slightly lean to the under with you guys simply just off of the Pelicans not being able to muster up enough points. Um, one of the plays that I do like is if Joker does play. Is his points and rebounds prop? Uh, he had 32 and nine, 32 and 16 last matchup. Mm-hmm. The Pelicans are 30th in rim percentage defense, so he should dominate on the inside. Him along with Aaron Gordon. Um, also, something to uh, to look at is the Nuggets team total over. Um, like their offense travels, it's just like efficient on and it's well at home and away. The first in offense efficiency overall, and the second. Um, on the road. So they definitely come to play, uh, whether it's at their home place or on the road. Um, this is their first road game coming off of that five game um, home win- home uh, stretch. So I'm not sure how they'll be adjusting to, you know, getting back on the road. But with the Pelicans being as banged up as they are, I don't see uh, I don't see the Pelicans putting up a fight. So I will lean to the Nuggets and, uh, and the under. I don't see a lot of player props on this game. I didn't really have anything. Uh, Delon, did you have anything? Um, well, okay. So I like Jonas Valanciunas over 27, 27 and a half points and rebounds. Um, he's went over in five straight and eight of the last 10, um, with or without Joker. Um, uh, you know, Joker's not going to be a, a big enough defender to, or a good enough defender to, to stop Jonas. But the only thing that worries me is foul trouble. Yeah. Um, Jonas only played, uh, I think like 13 minutes in, in the last matchup because he just, can't do anything with Joker, which is not his fault. I mean, nobody can do anything with Joker. So um, that's the only thing I'm worried about. But I do like uh, Jonas uh, over 27 and a half points and rebounds. Uh, Scott, any player props you like? Uh, for this game, I'm trying to think if I'm blindly going to take Valanciunas rebounds or not, because somebody's got to do it. Yeah. I mean, you're looking, you're looking at the team. Now Marshall might not play. Uh, Valanciunas could have a pretty big game here on the glass. Uh, but if Jokic plays and you have to worry about foul trouble and all that stuff with backdoor cuts and, you know, potentially him being away from the rim. But I think Valanciunas rebounds I have to be tempted by. I wanted to make a case for CJ, but he has been kind of slumping lately. So I decided not to because his numbers will be inflated since he's going to have to shoot the ball a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else that I'm really tempted by here? Something I don't have else. any I don't have any Nuggets props, really, because they don't know who's yeah. playing. So right. like, I don't really have much. Yeah. You? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really have much either. I mean, there's probably a game that I was going to stay away from unless Joker does play. I mean, Delonte said it that uh, he should have his way inside uh, with uh, the Pelicans interior defense. And again, that'll probably put Valanciunas in foul trouble here tonight. But um, again, not knowing if MPJ or even Joker are playing tonight, I, again, couldn't really find anything as far as player props. Um, all right, guys, let's keep it uh, rolling here. Uh, next game on the schedule, it's going to be the Washington Wizards in Dallas here tonight to take on the Mavericks. Uh, this line opened up in favor of the Dallas Mavericks, minus six and a half. That number's now been bent up to minus seven. Total opened up at 225. That number is currently sitting at 225 and a half. Do see some 226 and a halves out there as well. Uh, looking at the injury report for both of these teams for the Washington Wizards, uh, 
Uh, Porzingis is going to be out. He's dealing with a left ankle sprain. For the Dallas Mavericks, uh, Max and Kleber and Christian Wood are both out for this game uh, against the Washington Wizards. Um, Delonte, why don't you lead us off with this game? Dallas laying seven points against the Washington Wizards here at home. Yeah, I'll keep it short. I like the Mavericks. I think it's a smash spot for them. Uh, the Wizards don't do anything particularly well besides defend the rim. And the Mavericks aren't going to the rim. They're going to shoot a lot of threes, a lot of mid-range shots. Um, it's a great, I think it's a great spot for them to get right. Uh, they have been struggling as of late three and seven, um, straight up the last 10. They lost four the last five. Um, they have been playing a, a little bit better um, offensively as far as ball movement. Um, I just don't think that the Wizards are any good. Um, they lost Porzingis for a few weeks. I know Bradley Beal's back, but mm-hmm. I mean, uh, he's he's still not at 100. If you've seen him play, uh, he's still moving a little gingerly. Um, and like Rui being Rui being gone, I mean, it's not you know the end all be all, but it just simply shows that Washington they don't have an idea of where they're going as a franchise, in my opinion. So I'll be looking to fade them from from here on out. Uh, I think the Mavericks ha- have their way. In this game, I think they covered a seven pretty easily. I would also look at um, them covering the first quarter and the first quarter going over. Both teams, well, actually, Washington is the number one team, number one over team in the first quarter. They are 32 and 14 to the over um, in the first quarter, best in the NBA by a wide margin. Um, I just don't see them slowing down Luka. I can see Luka going for like 40 plus, 45 plus if it's not, you know, too much of a blowout early on. So uh, I'll lay it with the Mavericks and also give me the Mavericks first quarter and first quarter over. I know that's a lot, but that's all I got for this game. All right. Uh, Scott, what do you got for this game? So I think I'm going to disagree, actually. I think I'm going to lean to Washington. We know Dallas is very good at home as they're 17 and eight against the spread. They're horrible. They don't win by margin on a regular basis. And Washington did beat them earlier this season. Uh, That game was in Washington, but still. I just think that at the end of the day, Dallas will do enough to potentially win this game. But this team has fallen off a cliff lately. They had a nice win there in blowout fashion against Miami, and that game got ugly very quickly. But they've lost four or five, lost to Portland twice by 17, and Portland's been terrible lately. Lost to Atlanta at home, gave up 130 points there, and then lost to the Clippers again. I feel like the Clippers low-key kind of own that team. But uh, the Hawks game and the Clippers game, both at home, and they lost those two. So Dallas, I think, is still very good at home, obviously, but against the spread, they really have not been great at home anyway. Mm-hmm. I think Washington is good enough to keep this game competitive. Uh, I'm not picking them to win the game, but Washington has won two straight. Yes, they beat the Knicks, who are falling apart, and they beat Orlando, who's not very good, uh, but they did beat the Celtics uh, yesterday, so good for them, I guess. But I think I'm going to lean to Washington. Uh, Porzingis being out definitely hurts the offense, and I'm hoping Beal can do enough. But with Dallas missing uh, Wood and Kleber, I can see a pretty big game here for Gafford. I think Gafford's got a good spot here where he can potentially have a double-double, maybe control the paint with some blocks. But I think Washington has a decent amount of bench contributors who can actually score. Dallas really doesn't have that much scoring depth. I'm going to lean to the Wizards because I just think seven – with a Dallas team that's been awful ATS all season long is a little bit too much for me. I'm going to lean to Washington. If it was around like four, I'd take Dallas, but it's not. I think at seven, I'm going to lean Washington. Yeah, that's kind of been the theme for for the Mavericks this season is that those shorter numbers, like you mentioned there, Scott, whether it's like four or below, they'll cover the number. But when it gets kind of outside of 
two possessions, I think that's where Mavericks do struggle a little bit. So I think that this could be like a four to five point victory here for the Dallas Mavericks. And I think that one thing that does concern me um, is their defense. Like you mentioned there, Scott, they're number 29 uh, on defensive rating over the last 10 games. Um, they're right down there. Sorry, number 28 um, as far as defensive rating right down there with the Texas teams. It seems like there's no de- uh, defense being played in Texas with Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio, 28, 29, and 30. So, uh, you mentioned the KP injury again. That is big, but I uh, I think that this is a game where you can you see Bradley Beal show up um, and compensate for the scoring void that KP left. Um, again, defensively, both these teams have not been very good. Washington has gave up a lot of points as well, but again, I think they do. Th- I do think that they can keep it competitive here, uh, which kind of leads me to the total. I love the over in this game at two twenty five and a half. Um, uh, you mentioned there, Delonte, that both these teams can score in the first quarter. I think that'll just translate throughout the game here. Um, starting to see some two twenty six and a halves pop up, so there seems like there's some money coming in on the over here now. But um, Scott, thoughts on the total here? I'm going to go with the over as well. Uh, I just think that neither team's going to play much defense. Dallas's defense, I said before, fell off a cliff. Their game against the Clippers, they still give up 112, and the Clippers and the Mavericks always play rock fights because the pace is non-existent. So defensively, this team has not been good at all. Uh, Washington scored 138 last game against Orlando. Mm-hmm. Quite impressive. I know Orlando defensively is not good, but 138 against anybody is still a good performance. Scored 118 against Golden State. 116 against the Knicks. I know Porzingis is out now. My favorite play on this game is the over, but I do think Washington finds a way to keep this game somewhat close. Uh, Dante, thoughts on the total? Yeah, I'm with you guys on the over. Um, I think the I think the Wizards they they start off pretty hot, uh, which is why they're the best uh, first quarter team um, in the in the league. But they kind of tail off um, as they get close as they get further along in the game. But I think that I think that in this matchup, being that the Dallas Mavericks defense is, is non-existent. I think they'll be able to withstand uh, some of that momentum going forward. So I like the over and thinking both teams can be able to get what they want um, inside and outside. Yeah, Cam pointing out uh, the resident Dallas Mavericks fan. Uh, Mavericks have not uh, beaten the Wizards by more than seven points since 2015. So something to keep in mind here for tonight. Watch what happens tonight, Cam. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Uh, let's keep it rolling here. Two games left on the schedule. Let's go over to the Phoenix Suns matchup. They'll welcome the Charlotte Hornets to town who are on a back-to-back here. They were in Utah last night. Uh, looking at the opening line for this game, the Phoenix Suns open up as a seven-point favorite. That number's now been bet down to minus six and a half. Total open up at 231 and a half. That number's also been bet down to 227 in this game. Looking at the injury report for the Phoenix Suns, DeAndre Aiden, Devin Booker are all out for this game campaign and also Landry Shamit. Out for this game, Josh Okogie is uh, available here for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Chris Paul is back as well for the Phoenix Suns. And uh, Cam Johnson is back for the uh, Phoenix Suns as well. Charlotte, like I mentioned, did play last night in Utah where they did take an L. Uh, They lost that game, I believe, 120 to 102, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 120, 102. They got buried. Yeah, they got buried. Um. Now they travel to you, uh, sorry, to Phoenix on a back-to-back situation here, where on back-to-back games the Charlotte Hornets are three, two, and one against a spread. Don't know if Lamelo Ball is going to be playing in this game, but uh, Scott, why don't you lead us off with this game between the Charlotte Hornets and the Phoenix Suns? 
I feel like I got to lean to Phoenix. Uh, even though they almost blew a 25-point lead or so against Memphis last game, they held on to win. Still beat Memphis, though. It was a nice win, no doubt about it. Chris Paul came back, looked sharp. Uh, but Charlotte's a terrible team. I mean, there's no way around it. LaMelo got hurt again. Team wasn't good to begin with. What does this team do well at? Like, they're they're not a good Give defensive team. Offensively, they can be good on occasion, but for the most part, eh, I guess. And that's basically it, isn't it? They can't rebound. I, I don't know what they do well. They're just a bad team. Uh, I think yeah. that Phoenix is still a team that's getting healthier. They're still missing Booker, but with Paul being back and Cam Johnson being back, very underrated player, Cam Johnson. But I like how mm-hmm. they're playing, at least lately, when they got healthier, and the fact they beat Memphis is pretty telling to me. I'll go with Phoenix. I see Cam mentioning Phoenix first half, minus three and a half. I don't mind that either. The The Suns have been very good in the desert, especially when healthy, and Charlotte is bad everywhere. So I'm going to lean to Phoenix. My favorite play in this game is actually a player prop. It's yeah. going to be Biombo double-double. Biombo double-double's five to one. I have no idea how this is five to one. Aiton's not playing. Uh, Charlotte can't rebound. And Biombo had a double double two games ago. Not against Memphis, though, because he got into foul trouble, which is not surprising when he's battling with Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson and all these guys. He barely played because he had five fouls immediately. Charlotte's not like that. Five to one. And I'm, I mean, I'm not even going to make a Biombo former team argument because he might have been on several teams since playing on Charlotte, but still. I'll make it. Yeah, you can make it if you want. <laughs> Five to one for a starting center with Chris Paul. I think is blindly worth that for a double double. Give yeah. me the Biombo five to one. I think that's a great price. Yeah, he had two different stinks with the uh Charlotte, I guess back then when they were uh, the Bobcats, and then he was back with Charlotte from twenty eighteen to twenty twenty one. I'm before, sure MJ still has him on speed dial. So yeah, yeah before, before getting over here with Phoenix, but yeah, that's a great call. I mean, we've talked about it all season about fading uh, this Charlotte Hornets interior defense, whether it's rebounds or, or on double doubles. I think that's a great value there for Bismarck Biombo at five to one here. Um, yeah, you, I'm with Phoenix. Can you explain that price though? Like, uh, is the argument that Phoenix blows them out and Biombo doesn't play that much because the spread isn't that crazy? Six and a half, you'd assume. All right, game somewhat competitive. Mm-hmm. Phoenix might bury him in this game. But based on where the spread's located and the fact that Charlotte in the paint's not very good, yeah. Why is Biombo at five to one for double I think double? Maybe the minutes, maybe the concern. Um, I, thought, I thought that was just foul trouble. Last yeah, that, that's. A, I was thinking a combination of minutes and and just foul trouble. Yeah, because against Memphis, he played six minutes, twelve minutes, but he only had one foul each. And then against Brooklyn, he only had one foul. He only played sixteen minutes in that game as but well. But he was playing in those games. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, That's why I'm confused. I I figured that I know the Sarich now is kind of the backup center. They kind of rotate there, but Mm -hmm. Biombo's clearly the starter right now. Yeah. So I don't, I, once again, you're getting a starting center with Chris Paul's as point guard against an awful team against the center position at five to one for double double. I I don't understand this price. Um, because Aiton was playing most of those games, and now he recently got injured. So yeah, and the last game where Biombo played without was the last game against Memphis. He had four points, three rounds in sixteen minutes. But I said he had six fouls. He fouled out immediately. So assuming yeah, foul trouble out, yeah. isn't a concern, yeah, I just he's in a he might get there in twenty five minutes. Like yeah, Charlotte can't rebound. So yeah, I agree. That's my favorite play for value. I might if tell you're telling you me that. to fade Mason Plumlee, Scott, you already know what it is. <laughs> I, I I actually don't mind Plumlee. Kind no, of man, you can't. Mason Plumlee been a wet. He been crushing points, rebounds, and assists. Yeah, Killing him out of here. Uh, Killing Dante, it, what do you got for this game? Man, uh, 
Cam set me up perfectly. I, I love the Suns in the first half. Uh, before I get to that, the Suns have been trending um, up, like getting some guys healthy. I mean, I know they got guys out, but they're trending in the right direction. I think um, they are uh, they're on a three-game winning streak, the 3-0 and ATS in that span. Uh, they covered four of the last five, six of the last ten. Um, like Scott mentioned, the 14 and 10 ATS at home, so they're really good in the desert. Something that's shocking with that first half is that they are plus 13.7 in first half margin in the last three games. So in that little three-game window, that's five more than than number two. And guess who is last in first half margin? The Hornets, negative 5.3 in first half margin. So that sets up perfect for a, a Suns first half bit. I think they come out. And uh, with some, they've, they've had a few days off, um, and Hornets off the back to back, so mm-hmm. that that goes well um, with this first half play. Um, other than that, I got nothing. I just love the, I just love the first half and the first quarter for the Suns. Even and I mean they've been doing it with, without those guys, like without Aiton, without Paul. Um, now, granted, you know CP3 is going to be in, and uh, Cam is going to play. I think they're going to start to uptick. Uh, Cam Johnson's minutes um, yeah. after they seen how he performed um, with a little more workload. Uh, other than that, man, I love uh, Phoenix first half, first quarter. Uh, and as far as player props, just Mikael Bridges over one and a half threes made. Um, Chris Paul over assists. Uh, that's all I got. By the way, I found Biombo at 550 for double double. So I'll go with that instead. Yeah. Uh, defensively, at least the three point defense has not been very good for the Charlotte Hornets last 10 games and overall in the season they just have been very good so if you want to look at some three-point props here i think it's a great call with mikhail bridges there delante uh cam johnson if he does play enough minutes he should yeah. be able to make some here let me see what the numbers are for those guys cam johnson's at two and a half at minus 125 mm-hmm. Mikhail bridges kind of he's yeah Mikhail bridges at minus one or sorry yeah my, uh, one and a half at minus 190 um, so you might as well just buy that up to two and a half, maybe get some better odds there. But Tory Craig at one and a half at plus one twenty five, I don't hate that either. Yeah, I don't hate that either. What about um a Kogi? Is he playing? Uh, yeah, he says available, but as in I haven't I think he's coming off the bench, so maybe check closer yeah. to game time. Yeah, I'll be on some Akogi stuff. Um he he's played well for them off the bench, shooting the ball extremely well. Uh he's taking I guess that Jay Crowder esque role, um, you know, being kind of the tough guy wearing the Rip Hamilton mask and all that. Yeah, a guy who I am pointing out, uh, Hornets dead last in net rating in the first half of the last five games. Um, uh, I think they're dead last in everything in, in, yeah. <laughs> in, all, in all games. <laughs> uh, Suns number six in net rating in the first half of the last five games as well. So uh, great trends backing up the uh, first half play for you there, Delonte. All right, last game of the night, Battle of LA here tonight. We've got the Clippers and the Lakers squaring off here tonight. Uh, looking at the opening line for this game, I see the Clippers open up as a four and a half point favorite. The number's been bet up to minus five. Uh, looking at the injury report for both of these teams, to start with the Clippers here, uh, John Wall, Luke Kennard are going to be out for this game. For the Lakers, um, Anthony Davis continues to be out. He should be back later this week, from what I read. Uh, for the Lakers, Austin Reeves and Lonnie Walker continue to be out as well. LeBron is officially questionable here tonight, but uh, he usually ends up playing. He's always just ends up questionable on the injury report. Uh, Delonte, why don't you lead us off for the Battle of L.A. Clippers minus five right now against the Lakers. Yeah, I like the Clippers here. Uh, I just I know the Lakers have been playing well. Uh, I don't think they match up. Uh, will at all with um, with what the Clippers have. Um, PG and Kawhi being in the lineup is 
basically the end all be all for the Clippers team. Um, they are 70 and 28 career wise whenever they both play um, nine and five straight up uh, this season. Um, I think that the Clippers depth will wear down the Lakers, uh, which will take me into if you if you like the Lakers, I would play them early on. They're one of the better first half teams uh, yep. in the NBA. They are 28 and 19 ATS in the first half. And for whatever reason, the Clippers, they get off to slow starts. Um, if you watch their last like few games, uh, they've started off extremely slow. They've you know fell into seven, eight point holes, uh, even to teams who are I, I don't I don't even think I can say this. I don't know if anybody's as less talented as the Lakers are right now. So I, I won't say that. But to to lesser competition, I guess I would say. Um, okay. But uh, I like the I like the Lakers early on, maybe in the first half, uh, and then I will come back and play the Clippers uh, in the second half. Uh, something interesting that I noticed: LeBron is three and eight uh, straight up in um, as a Laker against the Clippers, so he doesn't fare well um, against them at all. Uh, I I just think that the Clippers are, are about to get on a roll, and if these guys can stay healthy, I know that's a big if, a really big if, but I, I think they they'll start to to get on a roll. Um, they haven't been covering numbers as of late, uh, three and seven ATS the last 10. They have been playing a lot better defensively uh, and they don't have much to defend. Uh, I mean, with the Lakers. So I think Kawhi PG and some of those guys will take turns uh, wearing down LeBron if that's even possible. But I think they can uh, cut the head off the snake and, uh, and get the win here uh, by a couple possessions, like six or seven point win. Yeah, I mean, despite how bad the Clippers have been uh, this season, um, obviously with all the injuries that they have dealt with, it just feels like this might be a uh, a, a step up in class for the Lakers where, I mean, overall the Clippers are just a better team. And like you mentioned, I, Lakers are great in the first half, but you kind of take a look at the second half numbers, especially in that third quarter. Clippers are the third best team uh, against the spread in the third quarter, which kind of translates in the second half as well. They're 16 and eight against a number at home. And I'm still considering this a home game, obviously when they're playing in the same yeah, building, yeah. but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it might be a slow start for the Clippers. I think maybe the Lakers come out early, but we've seen far too many times this season where the Lakers have kind of just given it up in the second half. I know they came back against Portland in that game, uh, in the last game, but I think that's just more of an outlier so far this season for the uh, Lakers. Yeah. Um, they just kind of run out of gas, especially Ron in the second half, uh, going up against the Clippers for tonight. Uh, Scott, what do you got for this game, Clippers and the Lakers? Uh, I wanted to make a case for the Lakers, but I can't do it. Historically speaking, the Clippers have dominated this team. It hasn't even been close. Wayne's mentioning in the comments section something that's true. The Lakers have not beaten the Clippers since the bubble. It's been a while uh, since the Lakers have actually won a game against the Clippers. But to go yeah. through some trends here, the Clippers are 37-17 and 17 ATS in the last 54 meetings. And the Clippers are – See, this, this is tricky because the side I use for trends – kind of doesn't do a good job of differentiating home and road splits when both teams are from the same city. It says the Clippers are 11 and 0 ATS in their last 11 games in Los Angeles. That might mean technical road games. So I'm not exactly sure if that's true. It's 11 straight. (laughs) The point is the Clippers have owned this team and the Lakers have been playing better lately. Yes. On one hand, they had a massive comeback in the second half against Portland. On the other hand, they trailed by 25 points at the half against Portland. Yeah. So you can look at it either way. I got to go with the Clippers here, though. 37 and 17 ATS in the last 54 meetings. I, I got to go with the Clippers here. I want to make a case for the Lakers. If I was going to, I'd rather just take LeBron points. Yeah. But with Kawhi and Paul George playing together again, and just with the depth the Clippers have compared to the Lakers, I got to take the Clippers. They they treat this game 
so much more serious than the Lakers do, and the results prove it. So I'll go with the Clippers again. Uh, thoughts on the total here, uh, Scott? Why don't you uh, give us that handicap? But right now, seeing that two thirty. I'm going to go with the under in this one. I know people would be tempted by the over because the Lakers have had a bunch of high-scoring games lately. These games are always physical. These teams Mm -hmm. always try to kill each other and usually see a rock fight in the fourth quarter because both Kawhi and LeBron go ISO in the half court the entire time or Paul George thrown there, and you see a lot of really long, ugly possessions. I like the under. These teams usually go at it in a pretty pretty physical way. This number is a little bit high. I'm going to link to the under. Yeah, two matchups already this season between these two teams. Uh, 97-103 victory for the Clippers, 101-114. Doesn't I don't have the fourth quarter numbers there, but I'm assuming both fourth quarters were disgusting in those two. Yeah, uh, let me see here. Yeah, 20-18 in favor of the Lakers, and then other matchup, 27-26, but... That one's actually not that bad, but yeah, thirty-eight points combined in the first quarter, in the fourth quarter of the first meeting. But I want to see what the actual point total is for the fourth quarter, especially because if it's anywhere north of fifty-four, I'll take the under. Yeah, you got to go. So for this number to have reached two thirty, they did it um, last season one thirty-two, one eleven. And then 119, 115 back in 2021. But other than that, they've been pretty low scoring games. Um, I think only three games since 2019 have gotten over 230 points uh, between these two teams. Uh, Delonte, thoughts on the total here? Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I'm on the under. Like you said, it's going to be a physical game. Uh, both offenses. So basically, this is how. This is how the metrics say that uh, these teams play. So the Clippers, they start off slow. They are. Um, they are negative 3.2. Uh, point differential in the first half while the Lakers are uh, top five and point differential in the first half. And then it just spins backwards. Like the Lakers are worse in the second half and the Clippers are a top five team in the second, in, in the uh, second half. Yeah. So by that, by those metrics, I think that if you like the over, then you would, mu- I would much rather you play like a Lakers team total over in maybe like the first half, or if you want to play a full, uh, a full game um, under with that. But I would just lean to the um, under as well. Um, I don't see a lot of I don't see a lot of up and down. Uh, Clippers are not going to let the Lakers dictate their pace. Uh, they're top five scoring defense, uh, top five in defensive efficiency. The the Lakers are not going to just run up and down the court on the yeah. Clippers. They don't they don't have enough dip mm-hmm. uh, to to do that. Um, and I think that. Um, if Ham is smart enough, he'll 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 slow down the pace and, and try to play half court. Which the Lakers they average, uh, they're a top ten fast break points team, but they're better in the half court. So I think they'll be uh, in the half court a lot more. So uh, yeah, give me the under in this game. Yeah, Clippers uh, second slowest team as far as pace mm-hmm. uh, over the last ten games, uh, only trailing the New York Knicks shockingly. Uh, but uh, yeah, I like the under in this game as well. Let's get over to some player props before we close it out here with our lock and dog. Delonte, what do you got for player props? Man, I like LeBron under. I know that's scary to take for everybody. Um, listen, it's, a lot of po- it's a lot of points. Yeah, 32 and a half. LeBron has never scored over, he hasn't scored over 30 in any in any of the 11 matchups. He's had 30 wow. one, he's had 30 once and that was in the previous matchup. So in he's went under 25 in 8 of the last 12 games and in those 8 games he's went under 20 points in 3 of those. So mm-hmm. he's averaging 23.2 points per game uh, as a Laker uh, against the Clippers. So I don't think that's I think that's too big. I think 32 and a half is, is big. I know he's been dominating 
uh, the the previous like four or five games. Um, but this is a step up in class, like Munaf mentioned. Uh, elite defenders. Well, I wouldn't say elite uh, as they as they used to be, but still top notch defenders um, in the NBA. They're going to step up to the challenge. Uh, I think they'll wear down LeBron uh, late, which is why I like the under. Um, so give me under thirty two and a half. Uh, points for LeBron. Um, I do, however, like his points. I mean, like his rebounds and assists over. He's averaging uh, 15.9 rebounds and assists in this matchup. Mm-hmm. I think his uh, his rebound prop, his rebound assist prop is 15 and a half. So right on par. So I think he does more facilitating in this uh, in this matchup. So give me the over for his rebounds and assists and under for his points. Um, for the Clippers side, I like Zubak, double-double, plus 135, plus 140. Uh, you can find it anywhere within that range. I would play it. Uh, if you don't like, you know, if, if you want more bang for your buck, you can play the double-double. Or if you want to um, play uh, something a little more, uh, I guess, I don't know if you could use safer, but um, 20 and a half points and rebounds. Uh, he's went over this in three of the last four. Um, he's had a double-double in two of the last three. Uh, he's averaging in the last three games. Uh, I did the last three games because early on in his career, he just wasn't playing a lot of minutes um, against against the the Lakers. So he was fourteen and eleven in the last three games. Uh, so I like Zubac a lot in this game. You have to go all the way back to twenty seventeen for LeBron James when he was with the Cavs, where he scored more than thirty two points against his Clippers team. So I think yeah, that's a great call there, Jelante. Uh Scott, player props in this game. So I'm going to go with the plus money play, actually. I'm going to look at Kawhi Leonard under four and a half assists at plus 105. I think this number is just too high. He's had less than five assists in seven of his last eight games. He's had less than five assists in four of his last six against the Lakers. We know late in games, Kawhi's going to want ISO. You might see him and LeBron go head-to-head. Kawhi shot, what, 13 of 18 last time out? He had 30-something points. He's been incredible shooting the basketball lately. But four and a half assists, he has really not been a great assist guy. And with the slow pace, I don't exactly see many good opportunities for Kawhi to pick up many assists. Plus 105 for a guy that's gone under in six of his last seven. I think it's a pretty solid. Uh, seven of his last eight, I mean. I think yeah. it's a good deal. I'll take the under four and half assists for Kawhi. I like it. Um, all right, so that's going to do it for the games here tonight. Why don't we get into our lock and dog for tonight? Uh, Delante, why don't you lead us off, my man? Yeah, for the lock, I'm going with uh, Phoenix Suns first half. Uh, let me try to get a a number. I think it moved a little bit. Let me just get an accurate number um, on that. I saw I saw three and a half. Okay, yeah. So yeah, three three and a half. It, it's it's a couple threes out there. If you can find one, you know, shop around. Uh, make sure you get the best number. Um, but yeah, either one. Uh, we'll just say three and a half for grading purposes. So I like the Phoenix Suns in the first half, uh, laying a three and a half. Like I, we brought up earlier, excellent first half team. Hornets coming off a of back-to-back. I think that they're a little bit sluggish uh, getting out to start. So I'll lay the short number um, with uh, the Phoenix Suns uh, in the first half. As far as the dog, I'm going to go with a player prop. I'm going to go with Darius Garland over 7.5 assists. Uh, it's plus 105, plus 106. Take That's the double-double, sli- coward. You think so? You <laughs> yeah. think so? Just go for it. Why not? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Whatever. It. Yeah, give, give me the double-double. Yeah, give me the double-double, 350. All right, Scott, yeah. you got me. That's what I thought. Uh, I'll, send yeah. the, I'll send the invoice to you if it don't care. Uh, it's peer pressure, so don't yeah, worry yeah. about it. You yeah, know. Yeah, let me peer pressure is free. That's what makes three, it dangerous. 350, yeah. Let me get let me get that. I mean, he's he's been playing uh, extremely well with the ball in his hands. With Mitchell back, uh, he's going to have uh, not he's gonna not have as much attention on him as far as drawing the best defender. Um, so I think the assists will get there just fine. I think the points will get there just fine. So, yeah, now that I think about it, Scott, you're right. 350, double-double, Darius Garland. I can't believe you fell for that. 
I, I, I just banned him. You know, we'll see. Bullying <laughs> is not allowed yeah. on this podcast. Uh, Scott, what do you got? Lock and duck. Uh, so for the lock, I have a couple of choices. I was contemplating if I wanted to go with the Nuggets, the Bulls, or even the Lakers fourth quarter under. It's at 57 and a half. That's a lot of points for these two teams in the fourth quarter when you know how the game's going to go. They're going to slow it down into a rock fight in the fourth. You know what? I think I'm going to go with the quarter. Let's be a little bit different. Give me the fourth quarter under uh, 57 and a half in that Lakers-Clippers game as my lock. The Clippers, we said before, second slowest pace in the league. We know we've seen this movie before. They're both just going to go extreme ISO situation mm-hmm. in the final, what, eight minutes of the fourth quarter? It's going to be hideous. So I'm, I'm going to go with the under here. You mentioned the two meetings this season. One landed 53, other landed 38. It's at 57 and a half. Like, I understand it's correlated to the full game total, but I've seen these teams throughout the last couple of years. It's hit, it's some hideous fourth quarter offense between these teams. And yeah. we know that each team's going to take 20 something seconds off the shot clock each time because both teams are going to be so focused on getting back defensively. I'm going to go with the fourth quarter under 57 and a half as my lock in that Lakers Clippers game. And for my dog, I'm going to go swinging for the fences. Give me Biombo double double at plus 550. It's a great price. Yeah. At the end of the day, you can argue about foul trouble and you can argue about his role with the team. But with Aiton being out, Biombo's automatically going to get more minutes. And with the Hornets being terrible at rebounding, points will be the concern because Biombo can't have free throws to save his life. But at least Chris Paul could hit him on the rolls. We know how the Chris Paul effect is quite real. And he made DeAndre Jordan look like a good offensive player for a couple of years there, even though he has no post move. So I think Biombo can get I think Biombo can get enough opportunities either with offensive rebound layups or even just potential free runs to the rim where he'll get some points. And on the glass with Cam Johnson being the power forward, he should get a lot of rebounds kind of unopposed. But plus 550 against one of the worst rebounding teams in the league, I think it's an absolute steal. I'm going to take that. I love it. All right. Uh, for my lock, I'm going to go with the Cavs team total over 112 and a half here tonight. We talked about how bad the New York Knicks have been defensively, especially without Mitchell Robinson. Um, I know the last game was a 19-9 final score, but I think that was just really bad shooting night for both teams. I think Cavs come out tonight. I think that they'll be able to attack the basket, get some easy um, shots, whether it's dunks, layups, um, knock down the three-point shot here as well here tonight. I think that they can score up or upwards of 115 to 117 here tonight um, against the New York Knicks. So I'll take that as my lock for my dog. Hmm. No rockets to choose from. It's kind of tough, man. I know we took them yesterday. They uh, <laughs> they fell short a little bit, uh, but they've been pretty good to me. I'll say that this season. You know what? Going to the player prop, the Wizards. Who are you looking at? Um, there's two ways I wanted to go here. It's either Spencer did what he points here tonight. Uh, an alt number on him. Let me see if I can find him. You going for twenty or twenty five? Twenty five. You see anything? I don't see it. Uh, it's actually funny because I'm doing a prop show after this, and I had uh, Dimwitty listed on my points uh, prop, but I, d- I didn't have the alt one. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I see, I don't see alt either. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I'm going to be bold here. I'm going to stay in the same game. Give me Julius Randle's double, do- not to record a double double, plus 275. It's, wait, the, the nose plus 275? Yeah. Okay. Is it? I mean, that's a I hell of a deal. Been, yeah. no, he, I know he's been rebounding the ball. 
like crazy over the last like what but i mean month? with mobley and with mobley and allen in i don't know yeah. if he'll have more opportunities and with mitchell robinson out he's playing more small ball five so he's playing yeah. on the wing so he's only recorded one two three let's go one two three four five six seven eight nine ten last ten games against the Cavs, he's only had one double double which was a triple double in that game but now with evan mobley and jared allen there uh, I think that he's going to continue to struggle here tonight. So hopefully it's a RJ Barrett rebounding night or Jalen Brunson or, or somebody else, Jericho Sims maybe. Uh, I think they're able to contain Julius Randle. So I'll take Julius Randle not to record a double-double here tonight at plus 275 as my dog. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast. Delonte, anything else you want to get off your chest, my man, before we get out of here? Uh, nope. Let's just try to stay hot and, uh, and get some winners up. Yep. Uh, Scott, anything else, my man? No. If I'm on Twitter, Russia Radio, doing the tennis podcast basically every other day at this point. I just had an episode uh, yesterday. Going to do another episode tomorrow or potentially Wednesday uh, or potentially Thursday. We'll see. But no, you know where to find me. I'll be doing the NFL show with Terrell later on in the week for the NFC title game. And yeah, a lot of different sports going on at the same time. A lot of fun. Yeah. Make sure to follow. Um, Delonte as well on Twitter, XXLonte, XX. He's coming out with our player props article tonight here or for tonight as well. So definitely look out for that. Follow me on Twitter at SportsNerd824. Shout out to everybody in the chat that joined us. Cam, Wham. Uh, we have David from Toronto. Uh, a lot of guys in the chat. So thanks for joining us. Um, before you get out of here, make sure you hit that like button. Subscribe to the NBA Gambling Podcast YouTube account. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at SGPNNBA. Uh, Scott and Terrell will be back tomorrow for the NBA Gambling Podcast. Till then, good luck with your picks here tonight. Let's break these books off and let it ride.